Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and today we are doing something completely different. My daughter, Elizabeth, and I have been working on a new podcast called That's a Thing, and we thought we'd give you a sneak preview of it today. Elizabeth, what's the concept behind this podcast? Well, you had a really great way of explaining it. It's a show to explain to the olds what the youngs are up to. We're talking slang, trends, internet culture, a lot of things that older people might not catch on to, but that you hear thrown around a lot. And that the stuff that you experience all the time as a 15-year-old Canadian Albertan person. School, school child, school yes. Child, and that you tell me about, and I, a uh, 47-year-old mom, goes, what? That's a thing? <laughs> And the dinner conversation is entirely derailed. (laughs) (laughs) Or enhanced. Yes. (laughs) And we can have that dinner conversation together with you. So So that sounds delightful, I hope you think. But before we hear the first episode of That's a Thing, I want to remind you that Seen and Heard in Edmonton is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB and is sponsored this week by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The Edmonton Community Foundation produces a really great monthly podcast called The Well-Endowed Podcast, so-called because the foundation helps donors set up endowment funds to support good works in our community. And the October episode of the podcast features a Q&A with George Takei, the actor and activist who is coming to Edmonton on November 29th as part of the Forward Thinking Speaking series put on by the Edmonton Public Library in partnership with the Edmonton Community Foundation. So in that episode, Mr. Takei takes questions from a number of Edmontonians, including, as it happens, Herman Vijegas, who's the host of the Modern Manhood podcast, a fellow member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. It's a really great question. He gets a very interesting answer, and the whole show is really fun. Also, if you share a link to that episode on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag The Well Endowed Podcast, you will be entered to win two VIP tickets to the talk so you can find that episode at the com. and now on to episode one of that's a thing welcome to that's a thing a sometimes belated already outdated guide to your teens tweens and everything under 20 i'm your co-host elizabeth And I'm her mom, Karen. And today, in honor of the season, we're talking about the deliciously disturbing literary genre known as creepypasta. I feel like we need a (laughs) (laughs) dun-dun-dun. Think about it in editing. Um, Noted. (laughs) Creepypasta is is the er example of why we're doing this podcast in the first place, right? Because you were telling me about it, and I literally said... That's a thing. Yeah, and then I told you about it for the next 30 minutes, though I don't know how much of that made sense to you. Barely any, (laughs) so I'm looking forward to understanding it better now. Yeah, so I think what makes sense is to start off with what creepypasta is exactly. Uh, And the basic definition would be online horror stories. They're usually created by independent authors, not really for a financial gain, and they're just spread across the internet. Uh, they're kind of like urban legends. The name comes from the term copypasta, which was 
copy and paste stories in the early internet, chain emails, that kind of thing. But these are specifically disturbing. So they got the creepy in front. According to a Know Your Meme article, which is the best source of information for this kind of thing I'm beginning to find, um, can be considered to have started through chain emails as early as the 1990s. The actual term wasn't coined until 2007, though. Do we know who who coined the term? Uh, As will probably occur fairly often on this podcast, 4chan. 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 That seems like nothing good comes out of 4chan. We need another dun-dun-dun sound effect. <laughs> All right. So who who participates in creepypasta? Because it's not mums my age, or maybe it is, but it's not me, right? So who participates in this community of people, I suppose? Well, it's hard to know for sure, because, of course, it's the internet. Everybody lies about their age. If you want to watch a video and you can't watch it, if you're, like, under 18, you're over 18 on the <laughs> internet, right? Uh-huh. But it actually has a surprisingly varied fan base, and the different age groups tend to like different kinds of creepypasta content. There are more psychological horror stories, which are usually written and read by people 20 and up, older teenagers, that kind of thing. And then there's another genre, which is more focused on a fan fiction look at it, where it's this magical mansion full of these murderers who like to hang out together and eat, eat waffles. And that's more um, fifth graders to teenagers in its audience base, but it's kind of grouped into the same thing, appears on the same websites. And what kind of websites do creepypastas end up on? It started off being all over the place, chain emails, that kind of thing, but it's kind of migrated onto a few sources. There's creepypasta.com, which is the first website that comes up. There's the creepypasta wiki, which is where you're probably going to get the best quality. Uh, There's the trollpasta wiki, which is where you find stories making fun of creepypasta, satire, and stories that got taken off the creepypasta wiki because they looked like satire. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get when you have a lot of independent authorship, people still learning. And then you'll also find scary stories that label themselves as creepypasta on pretty much any writing website, like Quotev and Wattpad. So if you're looking for stories, you can probably find a creepypasta on the website. And how did you ever become aware of creepypasta? YouTube. Lots of YouTube. Way too much YouTube. (laughs) I started off by getting into true crime stories, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. And on YouTube, there are a lot of people who will narrate creepypasta stories. So there are actually two with over a million subscribers. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. Like reading some, like an amateur scary story? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They both have... um, 1.2 million subscribers or more, uh, and the channel names are Mr. Creepypasta and Creeps McPasta, and you'll find that that is a trend on these YouTube channels. Creepypasta somewhere in the name. There's like Creepypasta Junior, Lady Creepypasta, like anything, anything. And of course, the algorithm in YouTube will go and suggest for you other ones if it's detecting that you like Yes, if you looked at my recommended page right now, you're going to see at least 10 of them right up front because there are so many channels. It has so many things to direct you to. And these narrators, 
they they're not reading their own story they're reading somebody else's story that they found on one of those websites you suggested or has been submitted to them is that how it works yeah uh sometimes they'll get it through a submission but usually they'll just browse the website and pick one huh yeah (laughs) and why do they do that well there's a market for it it's like a podcast almost you have that audio in the background while you're doing your work and it's a way for people to get attention for their stories which is why they get submissions like the author's names are pretty much always credited it's just that there's no financial exchange but the narrators if they've got 1.2 million subscribers they're making some money on youtube yes unless youtube bans the horror content cough youtube cough Which is another issue entirely, (laughs) but yes, they are making a profit. Okay. Why do you like this? Well, I feel like when I was younger, I used to be like such a scaredy cat that now that I'm not scared of things, I want everything to scare me. (laughs) I don't know. So I've kind of surrounded myself with horror content and creepypasta is a really accessible way to get that. So I think that's why I'm into creepypasta. Uh, Another interesting thing about creepypasta is a lot of them got started by pictures that were spread around online. And so I thought it might be fun, even if we're doing an audio medium, to show you some pictures and have you describe them to the audience and try to guess what the stories are about. Okay, I am, okay. But I I don't (laughs) like scary things, so is this going to give me nightmares? I can't answer that question. Uh, Elizabeth. Are you okay? Okay. Okay, I'm going to show you the first one. Okay. Ah, (laughs) That's a scary thing. Okay. Uh, So it's this uh, creature, humanoid creature that has a very white face and black stringy hair and... uh, uh, eyes that are like surrounded by darkness it's kind of like a skull but but it but there's uh, like eyeballs in there and they're surrounded by red and there's dripping so i assume that's blood and then like a very very big grin with like blood on the teeth and and blood smudges and ugh. did i get that uh, yeah, I think that's about everything the audience so, needs to know. Yeah, what is that? Okay, so this guy is called Jeff the Killer, and he's one of the most popular creepypastas, and um, regarded by critics of the genre as one of the most poorly written as well, <laughs> which is kind of how these things go. It's not exactly the top quality gets top ratings. Jeff the Killer uh, is a story about a teenager who moves into a new neighborhood with his brother and is immediately attacked by bullies because that's how it works, I guess. And so he goes a little bit crazy. He's not full crazy yet, of course. Uh And he breaks one of the bully's wrists with his bare hands. And I think he stabs one of them. And it's just not a great thing to happen. And so the police come around, even though it was self-defense, and his brother takes the blame. So then Jeff is like, oh, no, I've lost my brother, and it's all my fault. Tragic. (laughs) And then the bullies come after Jeff again, and Jeff goes full insane this time, which is also how it works. I guess. (laughs) In this very weird, uh, not real universe, yeah. Yes, and the bullies attack him, and he attacks back, and he kills two of them. And then another one soaks him in bleach and vodka and sets him on fire. 
And the aftermath of this is the very scientific process of the bleach turning his skin white through the power of the fire that was caused by the alcohol on his body from the vodka. Okay. Which explains the bleached white skin right. in the picture. It also dyed his hair black. I still don't understand how this works, uh-huh. but it just seems to be permanently black now. So, oh well. <laughs> I guess I guess it's the law of edgy. <laughs> but so now he's totally insane and he has a weird look. And so his mother comes into the washroom and she finds him admiring himself in the mirror and he has this like wide smile on his face that he's carved into it and so the mother is like hey what's going on and he turns around and he doesn't blink he literally doesn't have eyelids anymore he burned them out because his face was so beautiful that he didn't want to stop looking at it so he removed his eyelids Ah, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And so the mother has the perfectly rational reaction of, get the gun, honey, which is correct parenting behavior, I guess, when your kid Uh, violently mutilates itself. Not actually. No. (laughs) And so Jeff grabs a knife and he murders his family and he frolics off into the woods to continue on his magical killing adventures, which is what all the sequels are. Okay. Well, um... I'm never going to read one of those, but it's interesting because this seems like um, like a modern iteration of Jason from the movies, right? The Friday the Thirteenth, or or whatever the horror genre, (laughs) like a million different, um, or or the Halloween series, right? Where where Michael Myers or Jason or whoever the the slasher killer, the indestructible. Slasher killer who just keeps coming back and and doesn't seem to be like nothing gets it right yeah. or Freddy from Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street. Yeah, that's that's absolutely what he is, albeit with poor grammar and fangirls, <coughs> small fangirls. And he kind of started his own genre of creepy pasta, which has snowballed into the whole creepy but magical group of killers who eat waffles together kind of thing uh, waffles are not inherently terrifying why is there waffles <laughs> i wish i fully understood this okay. but there always seem to be when you get deep enough into the community but he's very mainstream he has halloween costumes created after him we've seen a couple of those uh while we were costume shopping yeah well and you said oh that's jeff the killer from from creepy pasta and i go like how can there be mass produced halloween costumes for a thing that until like that i've r- never heard of right well, a lot of these things that live on the internet until some like grimy executive gets their hands on it and is like, oh, look, there's no proper copyright behind this thing <laughs> and kids will buy it. It just doesn't get any publicity outside of that online shell. So. But still, you have to know that enough people have heard of it in order to sell it, right? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like when you look for it, you see that the search results are fairly high or spiked fairly high in its heyday. It's just that the internet is very good at kind of hiding horror content. Select people who want to see it, and then there are the yous of the world who don't want to. Yeah. And so they kind of tuck it away a little bit. Okay. Do you have anything else to tell me about Jeff the Killer? Uh, not about Jeff the Killer, but would you like to see another picture? No, <laughs> but I will. Brace yourself. 
Here's the next one for you to describe. Uh, okay, it looks like a like a dog, like a German Shepherd or maybe a Husky dog, and it's angry. It's like its mouth is open and its teeth are bared. There's some kind of weird hand in the to the side, and yeah, it looks like just a like a mean dog. Hmm. Yes, a uh, very mean dog. And actually, once you see the picture. Close up, you can tell it has human teeth, which oh. is fun. Um, but it's not a very high quality picture, mm-hmm. and that's kind of part of the creep factor, I guess. Yeah, uh, I don't know why that is a thing in horror. The lower the quality, the creepier it is. <laughs> but it seems to be. Uh, but anyway, this is called Smile Dog or Smile Dog JPEG, and it's one of the older ones. It started off as the whole email circulation thing, and then the creepy pasta world just kind of absorbed it. And it has its own creepypasta, and then it also appears in other ones as a urban legend-style character um, along the lines of, say, Bloody Mary, right? Okay. But the idea of Smile Dog is, is it comes in, like, two main pictures. I showed you the tamer of the two, but there's Thank you. also a fluffier dog with its face entirely warped, and it's very disturbing, and you guys can find that on your own without my help. But <laughs> this is significantly tamer. It's just a husky with a dead-eyed human grin. Basically, the idea of Smile Dog is you'll get an email, and it will just be this picture of this creepy dog thing. And the picture will slowly start to drive you insane, and Smile Dog will appear in your dreams, and you'll die unless you send it to another person who the dog will then torment. So it's like a kind of a... A mix between this new fictional genre and the old chain letter. Yeah, definitely. Am I going to have small dog nightmares now? No, because it's not real. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) If it was real, these would not be all over Google Images. I feel like the government would have something to say about the insanity-causing JPEG that's all over the internet. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) This seems like something somebody would be concerned about. Okay, do you know? Do you have another one for me? Uh, yes, I do. This one has my favorite name, I think, of all the creepypasta. Okay, there's like a, s- a scary, uh, a sort of skeletal kind of thing with glowing white eyes, and it's crouching down in an unnatural pose. And it's got skinny arms, and his mouth is open, and the picture is kind of like it looks like a like a video from a surveillance camera or a closed caption video, something like that. And it's like it's captured this strange creature in the woods. Yes, yes, that's uh, about it. I have a description quote later on that I'll share. But can you guess what it's called? Uh, creepy forest guy? No, no, this is called The Rake. The Rake. The Rake, R-A-K-E, The Rake. Why is it called that? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I looked, I looked so hard, I promise. No idea. But the rake is more focused on building up the urban legend of the monster again. So the story I found on Creepypasta Wiki was just a combination of journal entries and witness accounts about the creature. And I have an excerpt from the story that I'm going to read because it gives a pretty good description. Okay. After adjusting to the dark for half a second, 
I was able to see what caused the strange reaction. At the foot of the bed, sitting and facing away from us, there was what appeared to be a naked man or a large hairless dog of some sort. Its body position was disturbing and unnatural, as if it had been hit by a car or something. For some reason, I was not instantly frightened by it, but more concerned as to its condition. At this point, I was somewhat under the assumption that we were supposed to help him. Creepy. Creepy. It's just this weird warped creature, and it has a sort of power over people's perception, it seems. Mm -hmm. It can make itself seem more weak, or it can make itself seem very threatening. And also, its voice can't be heard while it's speaking, but if you hear it on a recording, it's actually audible. Interesting. Now, this sounds like a creature that has maybe more interesting creative possibilities than the other two that you've described to me. Yeah, and it's kind of been squandered, I think. It tends to just appear in verse pastas, which is like the horror movie idea of Freddy versus Jason or whatever. But it's pretty fun with the name because you have pastas like Jeff the Killer versus The Rake. (laughs) Along the lines of Jeff the Killer versus the Shears or Jeff the Killer versus the Lawnmower, which is one of the best jokes I think I've found in the genre. (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep cut joke. You have to know a lot of stuff in order to get that joke. (laughs) But once you do, (laughs) uh, there are also YouTube channels which read bad creepypasta and some of the thumbnails are beautiful <laughs> with characters getting whacked in the face with a rake when they step on it um there's one more i'm gonna show you and this is in the troll pasta genre it wasn't intentionally a troll pasta but it's probably one of the worst creepypastas out there and i don't feel mean for saying that because the author is a jerk and if you want to look into it there are plenty of pieces online with horrible comments they've made uh okay so it's uh sonic the hedgehog the well-known uh comet or uh, video Video game game. video game creature but he's got um blackened eyes with red glowing pupils and blood dripping out of his eye sockets and like he's inside of his uh sonic the hedgehog logo kind of things but but he appears to be floating on a sea of blood yeah did i get all that okay uh anything in the corners in the corners of what the picture the picture (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know it just looks black might not be in this picture but in a lot of them it says sega 666 oh i did oh in the bottom right hand corner yes uh, yeah so where it has the copyright for sega then it says sega 666 yes three sixes means it's evil this character is either called sonic.exe or x and uh the story is called sonic.exe and it has a sequel which is equally bad Um, But it follows this guy named Tom, whose friend Kyle, who he hasn't seen in two weeks, sends him this video game cartridge called Sonic.exe. And and it also sends him a note saying, this creature has been tormenting me. Please don't play the game. Destroy it. So like any sensible horror (laughs) genre character, uh, Tom goes and plays the game. And it opens up with the loading screen you just described. This one comes with pictures, which makes it... extra fun creepypasta to read and it opens up like that and he's like oh no it's a hacked game 
and then he keeps playing and there is blood and gore everywhere not just any kind of blood though hyper realistic blood <laughs> okay <laughs> there's no n- meaner literary critic than a, a teenage girl but okay go on <laughs> they, he uses the word i read the story he uses the word hyper realistic three times in two paragraphs <laughs> <laughs> instead of actually describing it it's just like it's hyper realistic so he's like oh no there's clearly something wrong but oh no whatever it's a hacked game but then it's revealed that Sonic the Hedgehog is sentient and it's an evil, sadistic, godlike being. And he's like, I have taken Kyle into my world to torture him and I will do the same to you. And then the story ends. That does sound terrible. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty terrible. It's <laughs> notoriously awful. It was moved to the Trollpasta wiki and that's kind of where it lives now. And it's kind of an example of how not to write a creepypasta. But it's pretty, pretty fun to read. Have you ever written a creepypasta? Uh, no, because I'm scared of publishing my writing. <laughs> uh, I feel like it would be a fun thing to write, but it's also a community where there is a lot of, oh, well, this story is garbage, along with a lot of unhelpful criticism, like 10 out of 10, best story ever, super creepy, won't sleep tonight, when you can you can tell that the story was written by somebody who's in like fifth grade, and it's just kind of like... Your peers think that that's terrifying, but if you keep writing the same way later on, you're just going to get lapped at and like that kind of thing. Yeah, but you guys start somewhere. I know, I know. Yeah. And it's a good place to start if you're like ready for that. But I feel like I'm too thin skinned about my writing for my own good. <laughs> <laughs> so I find this whole thing so fascinating because it's so DIY, right? It's so all these people are creating all of these stories without any expectation of um, of money coming from it and maybe not even expectation of audience coming for it like what do you what do you make of why people participate in this well i think some of it is just for the opportunity of getting your story out there Part of it is the possibility of it getting absorbed into the little waffles canon which happens a lot like, Smile Dog is in that canon now because that's a kid's character. Um, and people create their own OCs, which are basically self inserts, but they're serial killers and have tragic backstories. What's that OC? Original character. Okay. So, pretty much any character you create and introduce into a different world. There are some people who are just like, this is me, but she has a tragic backstory and uses a knife to kill people, but only bad people because I'm not a bad person. And, like, that will just get absorbed into the community, um, and the people will make other stories about that character. So there's a lot of opportunity for fame there, actually, in the community itself. So I was mentioning before the sort of horror of my youth, right, which I did not participate in because I'm a scared <laughs> cat, but I know that people liked watching scary movies like Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Halloween and Friday the 13th and all that. And people used to read Stephen King and Flowers in the Attic and other like scary things. And I think it is it, it seems to be with every generation uh, something that some young people like to do, right? Yeah. Like even go, before this, I googled why do young girl or why do teenage girls like horror? That seems to be a thing, right? And there was a really good answer on Quora that we can link to in the show notes that said. That, that explained that it's not about feeling horror, it's about releasing it, like mm-hmm. releasing fear. 
So that's interesting to me. But what's super interesting to me about creepypasta is that it's not passive consumption of horror. It's active creation of it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I feel like people have always created horror, but they haven't had an outlet before the internet came along. Because what publisher is going to look at this like 15-year-old and be like, oh, you have a story. Well, we shall spread this around. But once you have the internet, that person could just put the story out there and let it snowball until it actually becomes a fairly famous creation. And actually, there are some horror narrators on YouTube who have um, joined together and actually published a couple of Creepypasta volumes. They're called the Creepypasta Collection, I believe, two volumes. Uh, Christmas exists, <laughs> just so you know. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting and really cool how they've taken it and put it into a book. Okay, so you have persuaded me that Creepypasta is a thing. Do you think it's a good thing? I do. I think that it's both a great how-to-write-horror-guide and a how-to-not-write-horror-guide. I think you should be nice about critiquing stories, of course, but it's kind of like, oh, I understand why using that in my story is bad. And also like, oh, that's a really great, w great way to build up tension, right? It's just a good resource, and it allows a lot of interesting fiction that might not be published normally to get some attention. What do you think of it? I think I'm never going to read any of it. I'm going to consider looking for that book, maybe, since that was a pretty blatant hint. And like I said, I like I'm going to admire it from afar. And I'm also going to enjoy that I have a little bit more cultural literacy so that if we see like uh, Jeff the Killer costume in uh, Spirit of Halloween store, I know more about what that is. Yeah. So you can tell your kid to not dress up as a serial killer who murders his parents. Yeah. Although <laughs> that's funny because the Halloween costume you put together for your brother is not unlike that. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So have we have we established the, the thingness of creepypasta? I believe we have confirmed that it is a thing. I shall check the chart. And yes, it is definitely a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that was fun. Should we do this again next month? Uh, yeah, I think we should. And if anybody listening out there has any ideas on what they'd like explained to them, then they can let us know. Could you let them know where, Mom? Yeah, you can uh, reach me on Twitter at on my regular um, Twitter account for my other podcast, Seen and Heard Y-E-G. You can also find me at Karen Unland, and you can email me if you prefer at, or, sorry, the email address is karen at unlandmedia.com. We would love to know what you think of this first episode of That's a Thing, and we'll also uh, let you know when it's got its own feed and is something that you can subscribe to if, uh, should you wish. Just, I, I feel like I need that we should throw in a disclaimer here. Like, you do not speak for all teenagers, and I do not speak for all old people, right? We're just. I definitely this. do not speak for all teenagers. <laughs> but if you are an older person who's wondering what the young people are talking about, or if you're a young person who feels like you don't want to explain this, but you want somebody else to, then drop us a line and we'll uh, see what we can do. Yeah. Thanks, sweetheart. No problem. <laughs> 
This special episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton featuring the inaugural episode of That's a Thing is brought to you by ATB, founding sponsor of the Alberta Podcast Network. This week, while Elizabeth was in school, I went to a kind of school. I got a chance to attend a simulcast of the Singularity University Canada Summit, which was a two-day event where the world's brightest minds convened to attack the world's toughest challenges. So one of the things we heard about was the advance of technology. For example, Elizabeth, did you know that it's very likely that within your lifetime, no one will have their own car, at least around here, and transportation will be by self-driving electric vehicles. What do you think of that? I think that's great because (laughs) according to school and the media and everything, driving is terrifying and dangerous, albeit probably a valuable skill. And I'm not particularly thrilled about having to do it. So I think that having technology that will do that for me and everybody else is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, we also heard about advances in financial technology and artificial intelligence, and all of that is rapidly changing banking. So it's very clear to me that how we move money around is going to change a lot in the future. And one of the things that it's going to involve is probably bots, and that made me think about the experiments that you and your brother have been conducting with various bots that one can find on on the internet. So what was what was what, that one you were showing me the other day? Well, one of the chat bots we've been using that's really fun is called Willbot. And what these programs do is they kind of figure out how human speech works vaguely and you can almost carry a conversation with them. So Willbot is a crudely animated William Shakespeare, which will speak to you in text-to-speech Old English. (laughs) And we have been using him and several other bots to conduct our own detective noir mystery. Oh, man. I I don't even know if I'll be able to consume that or understand it when I see it, but it's cool that you're doing it. This is why we need the new show. Yes. (laughs) Uh, ATB knows the world is changing and wants to be there to help, so you can learn more about their cutting-edge experiments at atbalphabeta.com. So let us know what you thought about the first episode of That's a Thing, and we'll let you know when it's got its own feed and such. In the meantime, you can reach me on Twitter at at seenandheardyeg, or you can also email me if you want to about anything, including the show, at karen at unlandmedia.com. You can find Seen and Heard in Edmonton and the other members of the Alberta Podcast Network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We're also on G-Radio along with the other Edmonton-based members of the network. Listen live at gradio.ca at 6 p.m. every night. And the Alberta Podcast Network shows are also available on CKUA's app. So you can download it for iOS or Android and check the More tab to uh, sample the network. Many thanks to Castria for helping us produce this podcast, and you can find out how they can help you at wearecastria.com. Thanks for listening.